Hi everyone. Today, my guest on Unconstrained Conversations is Michel Russo, founder and CEO of Hotel Ab, a global real estate investment, operations, asset management, and advisory experience practice. Michelle has been named one of the 30 influential women in hospitality by Hotel Management Magazine and one of 20 women in lodging by Lodging Magazine. She has over 30 years of hands-on experience with hotels, restaurants, resorts, convention centers, real estate, and finance, and has appeared on CNBC and CNN to provide commentary on the hospitality and leisure industry. In this episode, Michelle and I talk about the strains COVID-19 has put on hotels' finances and the difficulty of balancing profit and safety as the hotel industry slowly reopens. Enjoy episode six of Unconstrained Conversations. All right. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm great, Klaus. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for your time. I know you've been super, super busy. Um, I'm sure it's been a very, very hectic few weeks, like for everyone else. But I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, spend uh, maybe 15, 20 minutes with me for a uh, our next episode of the Unconstrained Conversation podcast. Um, so how have the, uh, the last few weeks uh, been going and what's your, your perspective kind of where we are at the moment in the industry? Yes, yeah, so the past several weeks for us has been very much focused on uh, planning for reopening and how to ramp up so the hotels lose less money than being closed and how um, how the new cleanliness standards are going to affect uh, operations, cost structure, as well as what the new normal uh, looks like. Um, generally right now, most of our hotels are still closed or skeleton staff, um, those that are open about 25% are primarily servicing um, hospital, quarantine, National Guard, and that type of, of business. Uh, but uh, I think the mindset has turned to more offense versus defense, which is where mm -hmm. we spent the first eight weeks um, figuring out how to close the hotels, negotiating with the lenders, the vendors, the brands. And now it's more of an off offense mindset. Right, right. So the first one was kind of protecting the business and making sure it's um, safe, winding down, running, uh, uh, winding down of the the operations, which is probably as hard as reopening or almost harder, probably. Do you see um, any green shots kind of somewhere in some in particular areas, uh, kind of uh, where you are more hopeful about recovery than in in certain parts of the country than in others? So we've we've talked about. We've also published what, what we call the uh, priority of recovery. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, segment and geography based. So from a segment standpoint, historically leisure has always come back first. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is that it's, you can induce leisure travel uh, yeah. with, with uh, pricing and, and value packages. Um, so, and then understanding that, you know, there will be a reacclimation as these uh, stay-at-home orders are lifted. And so people are going to be reacclimating to their local community first as everyone figures out how to, how to operate 
in the local community before venturing too far, the obvious is the drive to market. So you put those together and you've got leisure drive to. Um, uh, and then the opposite is uh, urban center city, high rise hotels and big box convention that really until a, till there's a vaccine, um, it'll be very hard to recover. And there continues to be legislative constraints on social gathering size. So right now the guidance um, that's been put out is is social gathering up to 50. Um, and no no city that I know of so far is really there. Um, our our town is is step one is five. Uh, in two weeks they're going to go to 10. Uh, so we'll see, but the obviously that affects uh, group demand. Um, right, right. So, right. So, so, so SDR is talking about uh, a 15% supply reduction potentially for 2020. I, I saw some other research coming out from Bernstein, I think last week, that talks about an overall global 2% reduction in uh, in supply. Do you feel um, that the hotel industry in general is safe or do you feel that there's a lot of hotels that are not going to um, come back? You mentioned some of the big box hotels in the cities or or probably there's a, there's definitely a few hotels that were already challenged uh, before all that happened. Um, what's your view on overall supply for the industry over the next uh, 12 months or so? So I can really only speak to the institutional um, hotel real estate mm -hmm. um, in terms of, of this data point. And, you know, we have 55 hotels in our portfolio. So I actually have, you know, uh, looked at, we do have a couple that are not going to reopen. Um, I think it's closer to the two, two to 4% range. Right, right. Uh, just simply based on uh, the fact that we have a very diverse cross-section of assets and what's happening inside our portfolio. With that said, um, you know, we, we do a lot in New York City and um, have looked at, you know, how many hotels were on the CMBS watch list pre-COVID and mm -hmm. uh, talked to a lot of the, the brokers and done some estimates specifically in New York and that 15 to even 20% number could very likely be applicable to New York. Um, the the cost structure, the um, just there's just a lot of things that will make uh, reopening and and even losing less money than staying closed for New York hotels prohibitive. Um, and it is New York is the one market that never recovered uh, its peak. Revpar post the global financial crisis. Right, so, since 2008, yeah. Yes, yeah, so very, a very uh, challenged market, not just from a top line standpoint, but from a operating cost structure and from a physical building facility keep up. So I think we'll see a lot in New York. Mm. Devastating, especially in a market like that. Have you, um, you, you mentioned the health and safety measures uh, that you have been, um, uh, I know that all the brands have launched by now or announced by now. Um, is, that, is that part of your, your calculation as well, that um, 
you know, how much extra cost these health and safety measures are going to um, add on to hotel operations. And then the question is, how do you really balance that? How do you balance safety and profitability? Um, obviously, with safety coming first, but that's going to be an ongoing challenge for, for the industry for quite a while. Uh, for, for sure. So what we've done is we've, we've basically gridded each um each of the the uh, brand guidelines that we've received, as well as uh, guidelines from the HLA, and identified even our own best practices, and then we have a operational efficiency division. And what they've done is they've gone and and estimated incremental time to execute some of these standards, as well as um, have been collecting costs for operating incremental operating expenses, changing cleaning supplies, new equipment, PPE equipment. Um, and if, if these standards are taking literally, it, it could, depending on the brand, cost 25 to 100% more to to clean a, uh, a, a checkout um, for, for a guest room. Uh, so then, and it's necessary and it's important. Um, I, I can't highlight that that's the priority enough mm-hmm. versus the cost, but the cost is a reality. And to your point, you know, we've also um, are just kind of publishing the new normal after COVID um, and you know, we've really been challenging our team. What are the services and benefits that that consumers assign a low value proposition? And, you know, are those necessary in the new normal? Um, And, you know, many have talked about stay over service. So that's one area that that we've quantified if, if a hotel with an average length of stay does not perform stay over service. Uh, what could be the savings and could that offset the necessary incremental cleaning uh, processes for checkout, for example, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and and so on and so forth. And the challenge in all this is that you don't really have any opportunity to 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 um, make up the um, the increased cost through higher rates because um, at the same time you still need to drive the demand, the, the very small demand or future increasing demand. Hopefully, that's out there. Um, and I guess uh, pushing rate or increasing rate is going to be uh, very difficult in that environment. So margins are probably going to look very very different going forward. Yes, and and I think technology is also going to be important, and it's a capital, likely a capital investment. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot that technology can do to to support um, reducing costs, increasing guest satisfaction, increasing the perception of uh, guest safety, and as you go up the food chain of hotel quality. You know, one of the biggest challenges for, say, luxury hotels that are based on personalized, high touch, you know, uh, experience, you know, interacting um, uh, associates with with guests. You know, how do you how do you execute that uh, with technology? Uh, bet- you know, with a plastic screen between you and the guests, um, and that that's something also that we're spending a lot of time thinking about. Um, but technology can 
um, still address that that high touch need um, with chat options and um, you know and and those types of entries. Yeah, right. Keyless entry, um, uh, mobile check in, check out, um, all those things. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, what? What? Um, so, what's with with all this? What's your thought on the the future of travel? Um, obviously, we we all think it might look very different. Um, um, I've seen over the last two days um, on LinkedIn, some of the people are starting to hop back on planes and 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 uh, and start flying again. Obviously, very limited. The TSA checkpoint numbers have been steadily increasing. I think that the lowest point was mid-April at eighty thousand people. We're now back to um, over 200,000 people, which is still only 10, less than 10% of um, what it used to be. Um, but what are your thoughts? Um, where do you see kind of the future of travel? What will look differently? Um, how is it going to um, evolve? So I think, I think you have to look at it pre-vaccine and post-vaccine. So just speaking right. about pre-vaccine at this point, um, uh, number one, a longer length of stay. So if if, a, if a, someone's getting on a plane um, to travel somewhere that they are going to spend longer in that location to get their business done versus more, more short um, stay travel, um, because then it reduces their touch points and interactions. Um, so longer length of stay. And that also will be in part two because there's some probably permanent impairment on uh, short travel or, or you know, one day meetings. Uh, that technology, these Zoom meetings, these these teams uh, have replaced and are still they're good enough. Um, number two, changes in services amenities that I think we've talked about and even in that and what we're planning for is things like scheduled dining even scheduled fitness um less people interaction again we touched on that with the luxury hotels um so certain positions may go away um and then in terms of of uh travel you know it's highly likely that the Gen X and Gen Y will get out there first and be quick to return to travel, mm -hmm. provided they have the income. But, you know, the baby boomer community who, right, who are critical to leisure travel are, um, are going to wait it out because they're, they're the age cohort that, that is higher risk. Um, and in the last recovery, they played a really important part of, um, of traveling again, mm -hmm. so also high disposable, high disposable um, savings. I would think for yes money, right? Yeah. So, so how hotels market um, from a leisure standpoint likely should be more targeted to the Gen X, Gen Y, um, you know, because of the baby boomer mindset. So, I think those are um, some of our current thoughts. In right, right. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay. 
Yeah, no, I was just thinking my daughter told me she just booked a flight to Oregon in October. So um, you're absolutely right. She's 22. So uh, you're, you're absolutely right, right? Uh, millennials and uh, Gen, Gen Z, um, uh, I think, have a little bit of different view, maybe more positive than, than many of us. Um, but um, they don't seem to be afraid to make plans and, and potentially get on a plane. Correct. Right. Uh, so your your biggest learnings, um, kind of out of the last few weeks, uh, six weeks, seven weeks, uh, what what are the, la- the, the the three biggest lessons uh, from a CEO perspective uh, and leadership perspective? Uh, what are you taking away that you could uh, suggest or recommend to anyone who's listening? I think it has been incredibly impressive how we've all functioned so remotely. Um, right. So that's definitely a big lesson for me. Um, Two is, you know, how how we and our counterparts and the operators and the brands have been able to create hundreds of new SOPs and models and processes on, on very short order. There was no playbook for this. Um, so that's been a really uh, big lesson and something I think that we could have done a better job as an industry that is a lesson learned is, you know, we really haven't taken a very open architecture approach to solving this. Uh, It's it's felt a a lot like everyone's been in their own silos, Mm -hmm. potentially doing a lot of the same thing. And if we had a more uh, open architecture approach, we maybe we would have a, a better, quicker, um, wheel, if you will, to um, to defining what what is the industry standard for cleanliness and sanitation versus having you know 12, 20 different versions um, out there. Mm-hmm. So those are my, I guess, three biggest lessons slash observations learned in the past six weeks. Right, right. So you 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 feel that kind of there should be maybe the AHLA or somebody like that driving standardization and, and consistency across um, uh, across the hotel industry? More, more than that, you know, I look at, you know, I'm on the um, AHLA committee that, that authors the uniform system of accounts for hotels. And we all, mm-hmm. we all uh, agree to comply with that chart of accounts and, and most brands and operators do for the most part. And that committee is a, uh, equal balance of owners, operators, and industry consultants. Um, Some type of approach like that, um, you know, would versus just relying on the HLA um, may have resulted in something a lot lot more uniform. I mean, in my view, cleanliness, sanitation, and safety should not be a competitive advantage. It it's mm. it's what our industry needs to communicate holistically, um, to uh, to ensure that we uh, are supporting that the travel recovery and our demand comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, definitely the company that has the the, the is the most trustworthiness in those areas, safety and cleanliness and health is is going to be the one that's. Um, going to come out ahead. Um, so I, I agree with you. Well, thank you so much for your time, Michelle. I know you're very, very busy, so I don't want to keep you any longer. I really appreciate you getting on the phone here and, and uh, having the conversation with me. Um, okay. And thank you for sharing. Yeah, stay safe. Yeah, thank you very much. You too.
Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you found this episode valuable for your own business circumstances. Check out the show notes linked to the episode. Help more people in the industry find this podcast by sharing and rating. And don't forget to subscribe to the series wherever you listen to it.